Welcome to the teaching ministry of Dr. Fred Lowry, illuminating God's Word for today's world. The choice, the Word of God, or the world. The choice, Christ, or culture for us. We can choose Christ. How many of you have children? You know somebody who's got children. Let me see your hand. All right. If you've had, you've traveled with children, haven't you? Isn't that a trip? I'm telling you. Two things about traveling with children. It's an exercise in patience and it'll drive you bananas. Many times we've said we'll never do this again. It just won't work. We'll wait till they get grown, but we won't try this anymore. We just can't handle it. And to hear those words, Daddy, are we there yet? You ever heard those words? <clears throat> and we, when you think about it, are we there yet? It's coming out of dissatisfaction, and disapproval, and discouragement. They know good and well you're not there yet. You can be on a thousand mile trip, 200 miles. They're saying, are we there yet? They know you're not there yet. But they're just trying to aggravate you. Because you see, they say, why are we not there yet? Why are we taking this trip? Why do we have to go? It's the why whine syndrome. Their eyes are on the destination only. They're so preoccupied with getting there that they can't enjoy anything along the way. They certainly don't enjoy the beauty. Of, you know, have you ever tried to point out the beauty along the highways to the kids? <laughs> Have you ever tried to get them to play a game with you? Have you ever tried to get them to talk like just sane folks and have some quality family time? No, they want to whine and say, why? Why aren't we there? Why, why don't we take this trip? Why are we doing what we're doing and fight with each other? Well, we think about that. We adults are a lot like that in that we are always living for the destination. We're preoccupied with getting there one day when it's going to all be all right, one day we're going to be happy, one day we're going to be fulfilled, one day we're going to be successful, until we miss everything along the way. What I want you to understand is the joy is in the journey. Dale Carnegie said, one of the most tragic things I know about human nature is that all of us tend to put off living. We're all dreaming of some magical rose garden over the horizon that we fail to see the beauty of the roses blooming under our window. And that's so true with life. I met a guy named Robert Hastings who's written uh, two or three books, Tiny Bird Tales, and he has a little short story in one of his books entitled The Station. And he says, tucked away in our subconscious minds is a vision that we see ourselves on a long journey spanning an entire continent. We're traveling by train. And we look out the window at all of life as we pass by. But uppermost in our minds is the final destination. For at a certain hour, on a given day, at a certain time, the train is going to finally pull into the station with bells ringing and flags waving and the bands playing. And once that day comes, so many wonderful things are going to happen. And so restlessly we pace the, the aisles and and we count the miles, peering ahead, waiting and waiting and waiting, waiting for the station. Yes, and when we get to the station, 
That will be it, we promise ourselves. When we're 18, that'll be it. When we win that promotion, when we put the last kid through college, when we buy that 450 SL Mercedes, when we pay off the mortgage, when we have that nest egg for retirement, from that day on, it'll be happy ever after. But sooner or later, we must realize there is no station in this life and no earthly place to arrive. The journey is the joy. The station is an illusion. It always outdistances us. Yesterday's a memory, tomorrow a dream. Yesterday belongs to history, tomorrow belongs to God. Only today is there light enough to love and to live. The journey is the joy. So relish the moment. Stop pacing the aisles and counting the miles. Instead, swim more rivers, climb more mountains, kiss more babies, eat more ice cream, see more stars, laugh more and cry less, go barefoot more often, ride more merry-go-rounds, watch more sunsets. Life must be lived as we go along. I like that. There's no station out there. That's an illusion. We're all, all living for one day. One day it's going to be better. One day we're going to be happy ever after. If we just reach this next thing. There was a very cautious man who never laughed or played. He never risked. He never tried. And one day when he passed away, his insurance was denied. For since he never lived, they claim he never died. <laughs> well, you know, you can miss life along the journey. Those who miss the moment lose out here and later. Thomas Aquinas told of a man who heard about a great ox, a special ox. And so he went all over the world looking for that ox. He spent his entire fortune. He used up his life. And moments before he died, he realized that he had been riding that ox all the time. The joy is the journey. Hawthorne says, happiness is a butterfly. When pursued, it's always elusive. It's beyond your grasp. But which when you sit down quietly, it may light on your head. The joy is the journey. Happiness is found in the struggle, where you are right now. It's internal, not external. In the book of Philippians, chapter 1, and we are preaching a series of sermons entitled, Be Happy. Today it's Be Happy, the journey is the joy. And in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, we have a verse that portrays the Christian life as a journey. Verse 6 says, Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Now, do not forget where Paul is. The writer of this book of Philippians is in a Roman jail shackled to a guard. And Paul is saying that, that the Christian life is a process. It's a journey. And that God is doing a work in our lives in the now. Paul is saying, I am happy even though I am shackled to a guard in a Roman prison. For happiness is in the journey. It's in the process. It's in the struggle. 
It is out of the good, the good times and the bad times that we can know that joy, that inner joy that comes from God himself. Now, let me point out two or three truths before we really get started in this message for today. Number one, if you have to move one step from where you are in order to be happy, you'll never be happy. The second truth, if you allow your happiness to depend upon what somebody else does or says, you'll never be happy. The third truth, if anything has to happen or change externally in order for you to be happy, you will never be happy. You see, happiness is internal, not external. It's not related to the past. It's not related to the future. Happiness is related to the present. God is the present tense. He is the eternal now. God says, my name is I am. I am now. And when God is in us, you see, you are alive and God is alive in you. And that's the essence of happiness. The present, the now, alive in this moment, in God's presence, is the essence of life. There's a very tragic story of a young boy, a father, who, who had a terrible temper and, and in a rage, a fit of anger and madness. He went into his tiny boy's room and, and he took a can of kerosene and, and poured it all around that room. And then he covered his tiny boy in that kerosene. And then he took a match and he lit his own son. And an amazing miracle of God's grace, that young boy survived. Although 95% of his body had third degree burns. Even to this day, he is literally without skin. It is estimated he'll have 5,000 operations. They literally have to open him up annually so that he can grow. Yet that boy, seven years, at seven years of age, said this, I am alive. I am alive. I am alive. I didn't miss out on living. And that is wonderful enough for me. Life. There was a young Jewish girl who was in a Nazi concentration camp. And in the horrors of that camp, she was able to write a very positive poem. It went like this. From tomorrow on, I shall be sad. From tomorrow on, not today. Today, I will be glad. And every day, regardless of how bitter it may be, I shall say, from tomorrow on, I'll be sad. But not today. You know, we, we rewrite that poem, and here's how we say it. From tomorrow on, I shall be happy. Tomorrow, but not today. Today, I will be unhappy. And regardless of how many good things happen, today, I'll be unhappy. Tomorrow on, I'll be happy. But my friend, what I'm saying to you this morning is that if we try to put off our happiness for any reason... We will never be happy. If you put off your happiness to circumstances change, you'll never be happy. Because happiness does not have anything to do with external circumstances. It has to do with internal realities. Happiness is the journey. The joy is the journey. 
The happiness comes out of daily struggle, out of daily difficulty, out of daily good things and happenings, out of all the mix of your life internally when it's you and God together produce that inward happiness. It comes no other way. So let me give you some help. If you want to get the joy out of the journey, let's just, let me give you some practical principles that you can apply in your own life beginning today. Number one, you need to write these down. You also need to get these tapes and just listen to them over and over again until these principles sink, sink into your heads. Number one, seize the day. There's a movie that came out here a while back, and in that movie was a phrase, uh, carpe diem, a Latin phrase that means seize the day. Take advantage of this day. It's the only one you have. It's the only one you're certain of. It's the only one you can work with. It's the only one you can be happy in. So take this day and seize it. Seize every ounce of happiness out of this day. Squeeze all the joy that's there. Happiness is the power to squeeze all the joy out of any given day. And you see, each day comes but once, and we only have this moment. So we're to get out of this moment all the joy that's there. Ralph Waldo Emerson said one of the illusions of life is that this moment is not the decisive critical hour, but it is. This day is the best day of your life. It's the only day that you have. As far as you know, he only is rich, says Emerson, who owns the day. And if you allow that day to be invaded by worry and anxiety and fears, then you don't own that day. And you miss the wealth. Happiness is by seizing the day and living life in the present. Don't regret the past. Don't idealize the future. Live in the now with God in charge, believing at this moment of your life there is not any reason why you cannot know inner peace, contentment, and real happiness. God says, I'm going to give you whatever you need in this moment. He doesn't say, I'll give you something for tomorrow or yesterday. That's history. He says, I'll give you strength for this day, for this hour, for this moment. Swiss psychologist Paul Turnier says, most people spend their entire lives indefinitely preparing to live. We're always getting ready to live. And sometimes it seems like that we work it trying not to be happy. It's like the boy standing by the produce stand. He just kept standing there. Finally, a policeman saw him and he said, son, are you trying to steal fruit? He said, oh, no, sir, I'm trying not to steal any. Well, sometimes it seems like we're trying not to be happy by always thinking it's out there somewhere and we can't have it right now. But the Bible says we can. You see, it's possible to focus on the goal so much that we miss the beauty of the now. We're so preoccupied with what is going to happen out there that we miss what life is all about right now. There are many men who are so focused on success that they miss the fact that the very thing they're looking for is under their nose. It's in the now. 
You see, it's not the accumulation of things. It's not that promotion. It's not something out there that's going to be majestic and wonderful, that everything is going to be great from that point on. Success and happiness is what you do in the now and how you're able to live life and get everything that's there for you now. Happiness in the now. The greatest illusion of life, and we Christians fall into this trap, is that happiness is always around the next curve. It's always over the next hill. The Bible says not so. We say one day, if only, one time in the future. No. One day when I finish school, I'll be happy. If I ever get out of school, I'll be happy. If I ever get away from my home and my parents, I'll be happy. If I ever get married, I'll be happy. If I ever have children, then I'll be happy. If I get a good job, I'll be happy. If I have a great retirement plan, I'll be happy. If only this happens, then I will be happy. If you can't be happy now, you won't be happy then. The joy is the journey. There is no station out there. That's an illusion. For if you are always looking for what has to happen out there, it will always outdistance you. You'll never catch up with it. Someone has well said, if you have to move 10 inches from where you are right now to be happy, you'll never be happy. Happiness is internal. The worst kind of procrastination is this procrastination of putting off happiness until the future. One guy said uh, he was going to try to give up procrastinating, but then he decided to put it off. <laughs> the worst thing is procrastinating. Some people are just bad about procrastinating everything, and we can procrastinate happiness. Always putting it off until some distant future. I guess you need to subscribe to USA Tomorrow. <laughs> it's going to always happen tomorrow. But you see, God gives us the freedom to be as miserable or as happy as we choose to be. It's our choice. Somebody said, don't wait till your ship comes in, swim out to it. Don't wait on what might happen out there, but take advantage of what you do have right now. In Psalms 30 verse 11, it says, the Lord turned my grief into dancing and my frustration into joy. Albert Camus said, in the midst of winter, I have discovered within me an invincible summer. Now, not for Camus, unfortunately, but for you and me, that invincible summer within us is God, our source. And that's where happiness comes from. As the psalmist says, in thy presence, there is fullness of joy. The second principle is to acknowledge the necessity of pain and struggle. Life is majestic. Life is mysterious. But my friend, life is also a mess. And you're going to have problems. You're going to have pain. You're going to have struggle. Life is touched by pain and struggle. Anything other than that is unrealistic. Life is marked by change. Seemingly the only thing permanent is change. And much of change is uncomfortable. So you can expect in life to have pain and struggle. I like what Eileen Guter said. She said, you can live on bland food so as to avoid an ulcer. You can drink no tea or coffee in the name of health. You can go to bed early and stay away from nightlife. 
You can avoid all controversial subjects, so never offend anybody. You can mind your own business and not get involved with other people's problems. You can spend your money for necessities and save all you can. And you can still fall and break your neck in the bathtub and you get exactly what you deserve. <laughs> there are no guarantees, are there? You're going to have problems. Doing the best you can, you'll have problems. You'll have struggles. Life is a series of ups and downs, of good and bad, of the boring and the beautiful. It's like that for everybody. But here's what I'm saying to you. True greatness, genuine happiness, rises up from suffering and struggle. That's where it comes from. Happiness and pain are Siamese twins, invariably linked together without the possibility of separation. You can't have one without the other. In Oh God, book two, George Burns is playing God, and he's asked by a little girl why bad things happen. And Burns replies, that's the way the system works. He says, have you seen an up without a down? Have you seen a front without a back? Have you seen a top without a bottom? He said, that's the way it works. He said, I discovered if I take away sad, I have to take away happy too. They go together. <laughs> and then he said with a wry smile, if uh, someone has a better idea, please drop it in the suggestion box. Well, I don't want us to take our theology from George Burns or from Hollywood. But the Bible does teach that pain and happiness go together. It may be that you can never know happiness without experiencing pain. They go together. Only he who hurts has a right to happiness. It's only out of hurt and, and struggle and difficulty that we understand what genuine happiness really is. And yet most of us want to run from, from pain. We want to escape pain, avoid it any way we can. We don't want struggle. And yet it's, that's the stuff out of which happiness is made. For you see, genuine happiness defies circumstances. It can exist with pain and doubt and struggle. That's what it's made of. In peak performance, Charles Garfield says that when the Apollo uh, rocket was headed toward the moon, the trajectory of that, uh, the path of that uh, was, not, was off 90% of the time. 90% of the time on its way to the moon, it was off course. And so the scientists spent all that time correcting it, getting it back on course. And it was just barely off, but they kept correcting it so that eventually with all their corrections, it was able to, to land on the moon. And you see, we have to acknowledge the imperfections and the idiosyncrasies and, the, and the, the way we get off in life if we don't acknowledge that, we're fooling ourselves and we'll never find the path to happiness. But we acknowledge that we live in an imperfect fallen society. We are imperfect beings and we're going to struggle. We're going to have problems. We're going to mess up. Life is mysterious. It is majestic, but it's also a mess. But out of that difficulty, out of that struggle, out of that imperfection, out of those mistakes can come a genuine inner happiness that the world cannot give to you and praise God the world can't take away from you. It's between you and God. It's something that God gives you. And he gives it to you from out of struggle and suffering. He never promised 
to detour us around pain and difficulty and struggle and suffering. Not ever. Now, in a very strange way, it is our very pain that produces our happiness. The third principle. Appreciate the little things in life. You know, I think we're far too impressed with the big things. If something is small and quiet, we think it's unimportant. If it's big and loud, we think it's important. But you know what God says? God said, the wind roared, but I was not in the wind. The earthquake shook the grounds, but I was not in the earthquake. I was in the small, still voice. God says, be still and know that I'm God. You see, if something is ordinary and near, it's unimportant and not valuable to us. If something is unusual and beyond our grasp, then we want it and we think it's valuable. But ladies and gentlemen, many of those things that we attach value to, God doesn't. And many of those things we chase, God says are not worth the chase. We need to let God do the measuring. We need to be able to see things from God's perspective. We need to take a new look at what's really important, what's really valuable. And I'm going to tell you when it's all said and done, <clears throat> you'll discover that it's the little things, it's the simple things, it's the ordinary that gives life its meaning, its flavor, its happiness. That's what Zechariah the prophet said, for who has despised the day of small things? My friend, when God touches life, there's nothing small about it. And when God is doing a work in you and when you have God as your source and your strength and your significance and your security and in the midst of whatever happens in your life, there's that inner happiness that's there and that wells up inside you. That is really valuable. You know one problem with our kids today? You know why kids are so unhappy? It's because we have given them too much, too often, too soon. They've had everything. And now nothing impresses them. Don't you look at me like your kids are not that way. I know they are. <laughs> Just like mine. Everything's got to be bigger and better. It takes so much to impress them because they, they, they're caught up in the society that if it's, if it's really good, it's got to be bigger and better. And then they have that and that doesn't satisfy. And then they go to the next thing and that doesn't satisfy until we have a generation of kids who are basically unhappy because they do not know how to appreciate the little things, the simple things, the ordinary, the valuable. Now, I don't know about you, but that bothers me greatly. It bothers me because I don't know how to turn it around with my own kids. You know what I played in when I was a kid? A ditch. <laughs> That's all I had. Red Alabama clay. That was my toy, this ditch. But, but now as I get older, I realize that that ditch is still in good shape. It wasn't a plastic ditch. And I had some real experiences in that ditch. And guess what? I had friends that wanted to come over and play in my ditch. There are days in my busy life that I'd give anything to go back to that ditch and play again. It's the little things 
You know what the real treasures are? You've heard me say this before and you'll hear me say it again. Faith, family, friends. And when you break down faith, you know what the real treasure there is? That God puts inside your life, as Romans tells us, joy, hope, and peace. My friend, if you have a family and you have friends and you have a faith that provides for you joy, internal joy that cannot be shaken, that's not based on external circumstances, and you have a peace in the midst of the storm that God gives and the world can't take away from you, and you have a hope that one day it'll be worth it all and you'll spend eternity with Him, that is what's valuable. Everything else fades into insignificance. If you're going to have joy in the journey, you've got to understand what's really valuable, what's really important. You've got to learn the glory of the ordinary. The beauty of the simple, the simple things, the value of little things. I read this week in USA Today, if you get that paper, you, you still have it, you ought to read the article of, of Domino's Pizza. The man who started that thing, an incredible success. And he's ready to sell it. Walk away from it. And you read that article, you'll sense making money is no big deal. Making that, that large pizza franchise no big deal you know what he's going to do he wants to spend the rest of his life but he's a young man he wants to spend the rest of his life getting the gospel out helping start mission churches 5,000 of them in South America you know what he said he said all of my all of everything I've done now has just been getting me ready for the main event <laughs> he said I believe my calling my main event is to serve God and that's what I'm looking forward to even his wife said, I can't believe you'll walk away from this. I can't believe that you'll be happy not, not being the, the workaholic and going at this business. He seemed to be saying, just watch me. I'm going to the main event. I'm going to serve God, live for him. Wow. You know, if the stars came out only once a year, the whole world would go out and look at them. We have so much that we take for granted. And we're so striving for what we think is the answer that we miss the answer along the way. The fourth principle. Practice contentment. Focus on what you have, not what you don't have. You know, Paul says, I'm content. Where is Paul? In a prison. Shackled to guard. Paul said, I know what it is to have a lot. I know what it is to have nothing. And I've been content both ways. And when he uses that word content, the word means self-sufficient. Paul says, the reason I can say that I'm content regardless of what's happening is simply because I have a self-sufficiency inside me. I have a source. God lives inside of me. The word really means self-contained. Paul is saying, I only need God to be happy. You see, if you need anything else other than God to turn you on, you're probably going to miss out on happiness. Security is in God alone. Ultimate happiness is in God alone. When you understand that He is your source and when you allow Him control of your life and you, that inner happiness comes within, regardless of circumstances. Paul said, I, I have that inner sufficiency. Contentment is divine adequacy. You've got God, that's enough. Ladies and gentlemen, if happiness could be found in, in material things, America would be deliriously happy. 
We've had it all. More than any of us ever thought we would have. But what we're finding out is you can't buy happiness, you can't wear happiness, you can't drive to happiness. We've never been healthier. You jog every day of your life and still miss out on what life is all about. You can jog every day and not have a better life. You can just be healthier. We've never been fed better. We've never been healthier. We've never had more gadgets to make life easier. We've never had more leisure time. And yet Americans are drowning themselves with drugs, alcohol, tranquilizers, searching for happiness. A great problem is that we're not willing to be content. Somebody said when we're content with little, enough is as good as a feast. I've got a new dog at my house. Let's talk about it. I wanted to name the dog Dias, that stands for Daddy is a Sucker. <laughs> because you see, I've been through this before. But now we have a new little dog. In fact, our vet's here today visiting, visiting our church. And uh, we've taken the vet, you know, and got all the shots and all that stuff. And the dog is cute, you know. Uh, I won't tell you where we got the, got the dog, but her initials are Barbara Smith. <laughs> but the dog is cute. But you know what I'm realizing is that we have a city dog. And I grew up in the country. There's a difference between the country dog and the city dog. Our city dog has one obsession, one desire. He is controlled by the need to get out of the fence. Right now, if we were to all leave this church and go over there to my house, you would find the dog there trying to get through the gate. And he whines and goes against that gate and pushes himself against it. He spends all his time trying to get out of the fence. Now, we've got a nice backyard. He's got the whole yard to roam in. He's not in a little old corner. He's got the whole yard. He's got expensive shrubbery he could dig up. <laughs> and probably will. We've, we've got the, 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 the animal toys to play with. He's got food. He's got a big pan of water. We left the faucet dripping just a little bit so he'd have that fresh water. He's got it made. Where is he? He's over there trying to get out the fence. Country dog's different. Where does the country dog stay? You don't even need a fence. He just stays there on the porch or under the porch, just cooling it. You get the idea he's already been out there and found out it's not what it's cracked up to be. <laughs> I want to go home where I can find food and love and security. But isn't that like Americans? Isn't that like us? We're trying to get out there where we can find happiness. And this book is saying it's not out there. It's not external. If you got the whole world, you wouldn't be happy. It's internal. It's the journey. It's the struggle. It's the little things. The journey is the joy. As Mark Twain said, someday you'll meet a happy man who has nothing. And then you'll know you paid too much for your whistle. How true. Fifthly, keep a good sense of humor. If you're going to get the journey, the joy out of the journey, you've got to have a good sense of humor. Proverbs 17 says, laughter is a good medicine. It is. Look on the bright side, the light side. 
Lighten up. Chill out. Settle down. Don't take yourself too seriously. I've decided there's, a, there's something just helpful about the number seven. So I'm, I'm going to give you a new recipe this morning. I'm going to tell you to get seven belly laughs a day and seven hugs. I think that'll get you through. Have the first laugh before breakfast. <laughs> you need that. But make sure that, uh, that you get those laughs in. Somebody said to believe in God is to know that all the rules will be fair. But there will be many surprises. And it's those surprises that sometimes knock us down and get us confused and perplexed. And we need that sense of humor. We need not to take ourselves so seriously. A wise person was asked the five most important qualities of life. She listed them out. Humor, love, responsibility, courage, humor. They said, did you make a mistake? You've already mentioned humor. She said, no. Humor is two ingredients, two qualities. Humor, love, and courage, and responsibility. Humor again. The value of laughter, of approaching life with gratitude, with persistence, and with a sense of humor. My friend will get you a long way. Cultivate a sense of humor. Be able to laugh at yourself, at your silly mistakes. We all make them. Loosen up. It's an uptight world. We only get ulcers going in that direction. But take the time to kiss more babies and to climb more mountains and to swim more rivers and to go barefooted. Just something about going barefoot that seems to help at times. Eat more ice cream in spite of what they tell you. Eat a Snicker bar. Drink a Diet Coke to balance it. <laughs> Life's short. Let's get out of it what we can. We're not to count days, we're to make days count. The journey is the joy. Life's too short for all of us. Let's get out of it what we can. Let's seize the miracle of the moment. And we got the call about the Irvin's wreck. All of a sudden, a, a wheel hits the slick spots of mud. The blazer flips five times. Throws Mickey out, his seatbelt broke. They air vacuumed him to, uh, to a trauma unit. He was unconscious, but is doing fine now, just badly bruised. Ken, who was taken intensive care at another hospital. Patricia going one way with, with Mickey and the others the other way with Ken, different hospitals. Their belongings, they were moving to Las Vegas, scattered all over the field. Their cat was killed, their dog was, had run away, and Meredith was chasing the dog through the field, and Patricia had to chase Meredith. They were behind and they saw the wreck behind him in a car. The trauma. And you, all of that happened just like that. Life changed just like that. And that's how life is. And so we only have this moment. What am I saying? I'm saying hold your mate and say we have this moment. Let's make it the best. Hold your child and say, we have this moment together. Let's make it the best. Let's laugh and let's love and let's learn. And let's make a commitment to be happy in the moment, in the now. Not waiting to some distant by and by. That's an illusion. 
There's no station out there. It's the now. As Helen Keller, that blind, precious lady, said, life is either a daring adventure or it's nothing at all. What we do with it is our commitment. Realizing our past is absolutely forgiven and realizing our future is absolutely certain, we can be absolutely happy right now. There's not any reason you can't be absolutely happy right now other than you. It's your choice. Two men were in a hospital, seriously ill. They were isolated out of the ward, moved into a room by themselves. Two beds, two men flat on their back. They could, were not allowed to move. They had to lie totally still, quiet, no television. They couldn't read, no radio. They talked to each other about their lives, their family, their friends, their business, what they'd done in life. Soon they ran out of things to talk about. One day the man in one of the beds began to look out the window and describe what was happening to his friend on the other bed who could not raise up. For you see, this man, one hour a day, they would lift him up for an hour because there's something about the fluid draining from the lungs. So for one hour a day, they would lift, they would prop him up. And when he was propped up, he would describe what was going on outside to this other man who could not raise up. And he did that day after day. And he talked about the, uh, a lake out there and a park and the skyline in the distance. And he talked about uh, kids at play and, and young couples holding hands sitting on the park bench. One day he described a ball game. He described the flowers and, and uh, all the things that he could see out the window. And the man began to live for those, that hour each day. And he could almost imagine that he was seeing it. One day there was a parade and he described the parade as, it, uh, as he could see it. And this man who couldn't raise up began to say to himself, that's not fair. That's not fair for him to see all that beauty and for me not to, to miss it. And, and he began to get sour inside and he became bitter. He thought, I ought to be there looking out that window. And one night, the man who had been describing all this to him began to, to cough and his lungs began to fill up with fluid and he began to choke. And the man could, could sense that he was feeling for that button, trying to find that button to call the night nurse to, that she would come running to his bedside, but he couldn't reach the button. And that man lay there quietly and he kept choking. And finally he drew his last breath and he died. And that man never moved, never called anybody. The next morning the nurse came and she wheeled out that realized the man was dead and they quietly took him out of the room. And as soon as it was decent, the man said, would you move me to that bed over against the, the wall by the window? They moved him over to that bed against the wall and they tucked him in. And as soon as they left the room, he raised up and he was facing a blank wall. The man had been just describing things to help this other man. And to pass the time, it was a blank wall. You may be facing a blank wall. Maybe your blank wall is a troubled marriage, rebellious children, a financial failure, unhappiness in a job, 
broken relationships. I don't know what the blank wall is. But what I'm saying to you this morning is that you can find beauty in that blank wall. You can find happiness in the midst of struggle, in the midst of difficulty. Nobody on this earth can stop you, keep you from being internally happy. The joy is in the journey. You can choose to be happy regardless. Let's pray. We hope you were blessed by our program today. If you would like a copy of today's program, go to www.fredlowry.com where you can find this program and other Christian resources by Dr. Fred Lowry. 